Paging Dr. Teal is a podcast dedicated to highlighting the importance of a holistic approach to mental health, which emphasizes the connection between the mind, body, and spirit. The goal of holistic wellness is to achieve maximum well-being where all domains are functioning at their best. When it comes to holistic health, we're looking beyond the physical body and addressing physical, emotional, social, spiritual, and intellectual health collectively. I'm Dr. Teal, your psychologist bestie and host of Paging Dr. Teal. Join me on a highly relatable journey of discovery, holistic wellness, and being happier, healthier, and whole. With holistic wellness, people accept responsibility for their own level of well-being and everyday choices are used to take charge of one's own health. Health is wealth, so take care of yourself, friends. Paging Dr. Teal is currently available on Anchor, Apple, or Spotify. But regardless as to how you listen to the podcast, please be sure to subscribe, like, share, and write us a review. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Paging Dr. Teal and visit us on the web at www.pagingdrteal.com. And if you have a question or situation you want to receive some guidance on, send them to pagingdrteal at gmail.com. I'm here for you, so I want to hear from you, friend. Money looks better in the bank than in your closet, friend. So start your journey to financial wellness today with Harvest Time Financial. Harvest Time Financial can help grow your credit score by removing collections, medical bills, charge-offs, late payments, repossessions, and bankruptcy. Harvest Time Financial also offers one-on-one financial coaching, legacy and income protection, and notary services. Gain control of your money and jumpstart your financial wellness with Harvest Time Financial. Schedule a free consultation. Yes, free, free 99. Why haven't you gotten your consultation yet, friend? Schedule your free consultation now at harvesttimefinancial at gmail.com and be sure to follow them on Instagram at harvesttimefinancial. Again, that's harvesttimefinancial at gmail.com for your free, your free consultation. And be sure to follow them on Instagram at harvesttimefinancial. And make sure you tell them that Dr. Teal sent you, friend. You're welcome. Welcome back, gang. Thank you for joining me on this journey few quick announcements before we get into the show. Shout out to our international friends. I see you. I was looking over the analytics for the podcast, and I see that we have listeners in Ireland, Spain, Germany, and the Philippines, all the way across the waters. I hope that you're doing well over there. Our foreign friends, our international homies, remember your health is your wealth, so I really hope you're taking care of yourself Please, please, please be sure to follow me on Instagram at Paging Dr. Teal. I would love to hear from you. We're also on Facebook at Paging Dr. Teal. And guess what, everybody? New website coming soon. So please stay tuned and check that out. 
That should be live in the next week. So I want you to slide over there. Tell me what you think at www.pagingdrteal.com. We have some big things in the works. Merch is definitely coming soon. Had a few hiccups with that, but it's coming soon. Coming soon. Stay ready so you don't have to get ready. And I'm working on that on my end. So please forgive me. Um, Also, I will be featured on the About That Wallet podcast soon. I'll keep you posted on that. You'll have to stay locked into the social media to see when that episode drops. I had a great time. So I hope you guys enjoy um, the interview that, that, that we're doing on that podcast. I think that's all the announcements. So let's get into it, friend. How's your week been going? Has it been going good? What's new? What's exciting? Has, has something exciting or new happened over the weekend or during the week for you? I got a better question for you. When's the last time that you did something for yourself? Really think about it. When's the last time that you, friend, did something just for you, for nobody else? It doesn't have to be anything huge, but when's the last time you took some time out during your day and did something just for you? Because we wear a lot of hats. It takes a village, and as lovers, friends, mothers, daughters, brothers, sisters, coworkers, colleagues, whatever the case may be, we are a part of someone's village in some way. So we operate in more than one capacity. With that in mind, self-care is so very important so that we're not pouring from an empty cup. So when's the last time that you did something for yourself? And if you can't answer that question, and the last time that you did something for yourself was more than a week ago, you've got some homework, friend. Do something just for you, even if it's just 15 minutes. Do something just for you and nobody else. And I guarantee you'll feel a lot better. Now let's get back to the matter at hand. Master your mind and change your life. Because if we can think it, then that thing can happen. There's so much power in our thoughts. And I I thought I was going to have something profound to say, but it just... It didn't come to me. I'm sorry. But there's so much power in our thoughts. And I don't think that we're always as aware of that as possible. Because the human mind is so complicated. And that's what I love about the field of psychology. It's so very broad. It's constantly changing and growing. And there's new developments. And that's because human behavior and the human mind is so very multifaceted, complicated, and ever changing. So with that in mind, when we think about the way that our mind works, because we're constantly taking in information, it's our mind needs some sort of shortcut to be able to take in, encode, and store all of this information. So that's why we have a variety of different systems of classification. Like for example, the DSM. The DSM is a diagnostic model, is a diagnostic catalog, excuse me, for mental health disorders. Why do we need a 
a system of categorization because we need to be able to classify these different disorders or patterns of behavior so that we can develop, so that we can understand them and so that we can develop treatment to address them. Systems of classification are shortcuts that allow us to put things in very neat boxes and store them. And so our mind works like that too. And in order to take in the vastness of information and store it appropriately, we have shortcuts in these systems of classification. And because it happens so quickly, it becomes automatic. And so oftentimes we're taking in all this information and we're not aware of any potential bias because we don't ever think about our thinking. We think and we go and we act. There's never a pause or a stop like, hmm, is this really even what's going on? It's like walking around with rose-colored glasses. So because our mind works in that way, you've got to also understand that our thinking is influenced by our experiences. So if you take someone that has had a history of adversive conditions, say they were abused, neglected in childhood, um, placed up for adoption, lived in a group home, in and out of group homes, um, their entire childhood and adolescence, um, ideally speaking, this individual might have a template of bad experiences. So they interpret the world through the lens of everything being bad because that's been their experience. That experience affects their thinking. So oftentimes they're more sensitive to interpreting um, threats and negativity because that's been their experience. And because we don't think about our thinking, your mind gets locked in that pattern of thinking and in that system of classification. And without any conscious awareness, you become fixed in that way of thinking. You only see negativity and that becomes your reality, regardless of what the circumstances are. Say that kid you know, goes through all of those terrible things on the front end of their life, but they get adopted when they're, say, 15 into a healthy, normal, loving family. It's virtually impossible to undo years and years and years and years of adversive conditioning if not, if, if that child is not involved in, say, a, a therapy that allows them to process that trauma and that hurt and then work through it and develop newer, healthier ways of coping. Because remember, this kid was never taught how to think or cope. And oftentimes, we are not taught how to think and cope. Which is why cognitive behavioral therapy is so very important and it's a very popular uh, therapeutic modality amongst the field of clinical psychology. So we're all guilty of thinking in unhelpful ways and some more than others. I'm guilty of that at times. 
So this series is all about putting you on the couch, friend, the hot seat, if you will, with the goal of helping you help yourself. So if you went to therapy, your therapist or the psychologist you're working with might utilize cognitive behavioral techniques to help you solve your problems. Professionally speaking, I love CBT because it's super practical, present focused and solution oriented. We're always going to have problems. But I think it's more important to focus on the solution than the problem. And so CBT is based on um, several core principles, including psychological problems are based in part on faulty or unhelpful ways of thinking. Psychological problems are based um, in part on learned patterns of unhelpful thinking. So if we learn these patterns of unhelpful thinking, then we can unlearn them. And I think that's what adulthood is all about. Our parents did the best they could with us and they were dealing with their stuff. And so after 18, it's our responsibility to unlearn patterns of being and thinking and believing and learn new ones. At 18, you no longer have the excuse of that's just how I was raised. It's time to be accountable and pipe up and tap into this adult style of thinking, living, and unlearning unhelpful ways of being. CBT is also based on the premise that people suffering from psychological problems can learn better ways of coping with them, thereby relieving their symptoms and becoming more effective in their lives. So what does treatment look like? Treatment usually involves effort to change thinking patterns. These strategies include learning to recognize one's distortions and thinkings that are creating problems and then to reevaluate them in the light of reality, gaining a better understanding of the behavior and motivation of others, using problem-solving skills to cope with difficult situations, learning to develop a greater sense of confidence in one's abilities. I love CBT, again, because it's empowering. It assumes that regardless of what you've been through, you are still able and you are still worthy of living your best life today. Not tomorrow, next week, or none of that other crazy stuff. Today. CBT is all about empowering individuals, teaching them the skills and things that they need to know to be the best version of themselves which is why I love it, which is why I'm dedicating an entire series on giving you all of these keys, major keys, if you will, to help you help yourself. Because oftentimes it's not a situation that bothers us. It's how we're thinking about that situation. And last but not least about the CBT, I'm going to hop off my soapbox in a second. CBT treatment also involves efforts to change behavioral patterns. These strategies might include facing one's fears instead of avoiding them. Avoidance maintains the problem. So whatever problem that you have in life, say you don't like to communicate through difficult emotions when you're triggered. If you never practice communicating through that difficulty when you're triggered, you will never learn the skills to work through that. Practice makes perfect. And so sometimes we have to communicate through strong emotions to learn, one, that we can, and two, how to do it. Experience is the absolute best teacher. 
CBT places an emphasis on helping individuals learn to be their own therapist. So I'm going to teach you how to be your own therapist. So you really might want to get a journal or really dedicate a section in your notes on your phone to paging Dr. Teal. (laughs) Because I want you to be your own therapist, friend, so that no matter what you're going through and what you have going on, you can step back, take some time to yourself, put yourself on the couch, and then put yourself back in the game. So from the perspective of CBT, cognitive distortions, that's what we're talking about in this series, create negative self-talk. You know, that voice in your head. And we all have at least one voice (laughs) in our head, some more than others. Negative self-talk robs you of happiness, makes you miserable, and can lead to depression and illness. It leads to negative filtering, which in and of itself is considered a cognitive distortion. We spoke about that last week. Have you ever met someone that's always complaining or appears to only point out what's wrong, friend? Of course you do. And if you don't know that person, you might be that person. (laughs) So tighten up. People that filter for the negative have literally trained their brains to zero in on how bad things are. Like they have literally trained their brain to do that unconsciously. And that likely results from experiencing negativity in life. But there's hope. We can unlearn that way of thinking and being with practice. Practice makes perfect, and this applies to our thinking. Thoughts stir up feelings, which in turn trigger more negative emotions, creating a negative feedback loop. So if we act on our negative perceptions, conflict ensues that can give rise to unintentional negative consequences. So the goal of this series is to help you Readily identify your thinking errors because knowledge is power. And so you have to be aware that you're thinking in this way. And with that awareness, you can unlearn engaging in those negative ways of thinking that cause you to feel and act in non-productive ways. You got that, friend? You got that? So in this series, I will provide you with a variety of techniques, activities, and homework. Homework is a big part of CBT. So get ready because we're going to have homework (laughs) in order to learn to master your mind and change your thinking, friend. Let's take a break. Let's get into these cognitive distortions. Up first, arbitrary inference. Yes, I said that. Arbitrary inference. This is one of my favorites. I am super guilty of arbitrary inference. And this means drawing arbitrary conclusions in the absence of evidence. Perfect example. I'm one of those people that misplaces everything. If I've been to your house, it's likely that I will leave my phone charger or something I move around at such a fast pace in in my home and in my comings and goings. And so I misplace things mindlessly. And when I misplace things mindlessly, my natural inclination is to say that somebody moved it or stole it (laughs) every single time. Are you guilty of that, friend? I know I am. 
that's called arbitrary inference because I don't have any evidence that anyone has moved or stolen my stuff. And I naturally assume when I can't find it, that somebody went out of their way to move my stuff for the purpose of just inconveniencing me. That's a very common cognitive distortion. So I encourage you, if you're guilty too, do better, friend. I, I'm definitely working on it. I'm trying to be a bit more mindful of my actions and my placement of things so that I don't assume because we all know what happens when we assume. But let's move on. Another one of my favorites is emotional reasoning. And women, ladies, we're guilty of that. Emotional reasoning is when you think something is true because you feel it so strongly. Now, there's a big difference between a woman's intuition and emotional reasoning. I think a woman's intuition is like a gentle nudge. It's like, something's not right. My spidey sense is tingling. Something is off. It just doesn't feel right. But with emotional reasoning, I feel like there's a lot more fear anxiety and neuroticism associated with that you just jump to the conclusion that because you feel this feeling so strongly that's overwhelming it has to be right because why are you feeling like that well maybe you're feeling like that because you thought about something long enough and convinced yourself that that's the reality as opposed to actually evaluating the evidence then we have polarized or black and white thinking. In polarized thinking, individuals view things as all or nothing black and white with no gray area in between. In an individual's mind who thinks that way, they have to be perfect or they're a complete failure. There's no middle ground whatsoever. A person with black and white thinking often only sees things in extremes. And friend, we all know that that's a recipe for a disaster because in the world that we live in, I think life happens in the gray area. There's good, there's bad, and then there's the day-to-day. And I think we live, we grow, we play in that gray area. Nothing is ever always bad and nothing is ever always good because that's the ebb and flow of life. And so polarized thinking or black and white, AKA all or nothing thinking side note in the field of psychology, I promise you that they will have three different words for the same exact thing. And that becomes incredibly confusing when you're trying to learn these concepts in grad school and then explain them as a as a therapist but I'm doing my absolute best to try to break it down for you friend to help you help yourself another favorite of mine is jumping to conclusions and we're all guilty of that so in the jumping to conclusions cognitive distortion individuals will assume that they know what a person is thinking or feeling and exactly why they act the way they do. It's like low key, you're a mind reader. Like you jumped into their mind 
and you know why they're acting that way and you know what they're thinking and they're feeling and you don't even have to ask. I don't think that's possible because if that was possible, I'd be out of job. <laughs> in particular, a person who engages in jumping to conclusion is able to determine how others feel toward the person as though they could read their own minds. Jumping to conclusions can also manifest as fortune telling, where a person believes their entire future is preordained, whether it be school, work, or romantic relationships. For example, a person may conclude that someone is holding a grudge against them, but doesn't actually bother to find out if they're correct. Another example involving fortune telling is when a person may anticipate that things will turn out badly in their next relationship and will feel convinced that their prediction is already an established fact. So why even bother dating? Now, the problem with this way of thinking is that it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. It's a confirmation bias of sorts. So if you think something, oftentimes the human mind will gravitate towards evidence to confirm that notion. And so you're, you're filtering out everything because you know this, because you feel it so very strongly. And once you've gathered enough evidence, you're done. You're like, oh, see, told you. And that's why I don't even fool around. So it becomes a vicious cycle. And it's interesting to me how oftentimes one cognitive distortion can roll into another. Someone engages in this fortune telling, thinking that they have it all the way figured out in the end. Those thoughts create a strong feeling, which turns into emotional reasoning. And then that overwhelms them. And then they engage in this all or nothing because I know this to be true because things never work out for me I'm not even going to bother because I'm going to be a failure anyways and so you lose before you even get in the game because you've lost the battle in your mind dangerous place to be and that's why we have to master our minds so that we have better control over our feelings and subsequently our actions Lastly, on my list for today, there's personalization. Now, personalization is a distortion when a person believes that everything others do or say in some kind of way is a direct personal reaction to them. They literally, friend, literally take everything personal, even when something is not meant in that way. A person who experiences this kind of thinking will also compare themselves to others trying to determine who's smarter, better looking, and et cetera. Personalization is dangerous. And personalization is very dangerous because I think it's one of the, the biggest cognitive distortions um, with individuals. And in reality, nothing is really personal. In my professional experience, in personally speaking, I've learned that it's never personal. So another person's behavior towards you is a reflection of their inner experience. We all live in realities, perception-based realities in our own heads and act out as a result of that. So if a person is a jerk to you, oftentimes they're far more critical on themselves 
and they're dealing with whatever conflict or issue that they may have going on inside of them. And it's much easier to project that onto another person. It's far more easier to see the wrong and the flaws in other people than to be accountable and sweep around our own porches, which is why people that live in glass houses should not throw stones. So friend, don't, don't take it personal because it's not. It's more about them and less about you. And that's hard to keep in the front of your mind when you're triggered or when someone's being a jerk to you. But that's the reality. And if you can operate within that reality, you will never get upset again because that's not your business. Their issue, their conflict, that's not your business. So why take that on? So don't take it personal, friend. Let's take a break. On the Couch with Doc is a segment dedicated to providing you with practical solutions for real-life problems. Let's get into it. So catastrophizing is an infamous thinking error, and believe it or not, we're all guilty of it. And if you've ever been anxious or depressed, you've probably catastrophized in some way. Catastrophizing is when we distort the importance or meaning of a problem to make it much worse than it really is, or conversely, we assume the absolute worst is going to come to pass. It's also a very reinforcing distortion in that the more you think about it, the more your anxiety grows. So it becomes a vicious cycle of self-fulfilling prophecy. It's like if you see a bug crawling on you at your desk randomly, all day you're going to itch and think that bugs are crawling on you because you just keep focusing on that that time that you saw that bug and Every time your your chin itches or your arm itches, you're going to be thinking, oh, my God, that's that bug or that bug's cousin or his little brother. Um, my office is infested with, with these insects, and I hate working here. And, and see, yeah, catastrophizing, doing too much and not enough at the same time. And so I've got a little story time for you to highlight how to combat over-the-top anxious thinking. So, boom, let's get into it. Every story needs a main character, so we will call her Karen. Hey, Karen, girl. So Karen is what we call a catastrophizer, and maybe catastrophizer is not a word, but it will be today, which means her worries or concerns are always completely out of proportion as it relates to the magnitude of the situation. Plainly stated, Karen is like Chucky Finster's mother off the Rugrats. I know you've seen that show. If not, Google it. Or, or if we're going to put Karen in a box and describe her. Karen's also like that auntie of yours that's always calling the police on random people for no reason. (laughs) I know that's a little shady, but anywho. So Karen is always getting herself worked up over nothing and looking crazy in the process because she's so deep in her own head and thoughts that she doesn't realize that she's just tripping get your auntie friend, please, please do. (laughs) But you want to know what the funny part about all of this is, friend, is that if you aren't careful, Karen might mess around and come pay you a visit and hijack your mind with her foolishness. So how do we stop catastrophizing Karen in her tracks and not allow her to open up shop in your head? Three easy steps. Number one, Take three deep breaths. 
and then have several, several seats. <laughs> this is the most important part of that because you've got to calm down and really be able to see the situation for what it is. And so I want you to write down your worry. So pull out your little pencil and your paper or flip to your notes in your phone and identify the issue that you're catastrophizing about by answering the question, what am I worried about? What are you worried about, friend? What has you so worried and concerned? Now, once you've articulated the issue that's worrying you, you can move on to thinking about how the issue will turn out. So we have to first identify what the problem is. Next, I want you to write about how terrible it would be if this catastrophe that you were imagining came to pass. So what's the worst case scenario? Consider whether a similar event has occurred in the past and how it occurred. With the frequency of this catastrophe in mind, make an educated guess of how likely the worst case scenario is to happen. So I really, I really want you to think this through. Think about what is the likelihood of this catastrophe or horrible event actually coming to pass. And I want you to think about, think about this in a very rational and not so emotionally charged way. Stick to the facts. AKA calm down, Karen, and really, really discern between your thoughts, your feelings, and reality. After this, think about what's most likely to happen. Not the worst outcome, but the best outcome. And also the most likely outcome. So now we're shifting from bad to what could possibly happen, and ideally, what would I like to happen? Consider the scenario in detail and write it down. Note how likely you think this scenario will happen as well. Then think about your chances of surviving in one piece. How likely is it that you'll be okay one week from now if your fear actually comes true? How likely is it that you'll be okay in a month and then a year? And for all three, write down yes if you think you'd be okay and no if you think that you would not. Finally, last but certainly not least, come back to the present and think about how you feel right now. Are you still just as worried or did the exercise help you to think in a more realistic way? Write down how you're feeling about it and then go have a Coke and a smile because it isn't that serious. <laughs> and if you made it through all the other horrible or difficult things that have happened in life, you'll surely get through this. You just have to believe in yourself, friend, face the situation head on instead of purposely killing your own vibe you're welcome <laughs> let's get back to the show Alrighty, friend so for today's holistic health hack i just have a few quick and dirty tips for you we're going to keep it cute short and to the point so number one unplug we spend so much time with our phones glued to our hands and locked in to a constant overload of information intake. If we're not on Facebook or Instagram or Twitter, you're looking at CNN or you're on YouTube, you're constantly receiving information. Your mind is constantly processing data, information, sensory stimuli all day, every day. And that's probably why you can't sleep at night. Because your mind is always going, 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 going. And if your mind is constantly 
going all day long in a thousand different directions, how does it know when it's time to rest if there aren't any cues? Hence the importance of unplugging. With time in front of a screen taking up a large portion of our waking hours, it's time for a break, friend. As with anything else, unplugging requires planning. So I would highly advise set aside a day a week, a half a day, or different blocks of time throughout the course of your day in which you completely disconnect from all screens. Your phone, the laptop, the iPad, the PC, all of that. Read a book, take a nap, drink some water, mind your business, whatever the case may be. But step back from the screen and be present. I promise you, your eyes and your brain will surely thank you. Which leads me to my next point. If you're constantly locked in to your phone and electronics, I know that your sleep is suffering. And sleep hygiene is so very important. So in a 2016 consumer report, they found that 68% of U.S. adults have trouble sleeping at least once a week. And ladies, 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 if you're listening, as women, research shows, and you can Google this, research shows that we ladies, we use way more of our brain than men do. Why is that? I'll give you my perspective on this. So I'm biased. That's fine. (laughs) We all are in some way. But women are naturally better at multitasking. Why is that? I think we're better at multitasking because we're the the nurturing counterpart in the male-female dynamic. And it requires, and in order to be a nurturer, a good nurturer, mother, wife, whatever the case may be, I think it does require a certain degree of split attention, but split attention that can be maintained and isn't pervasive in nature. Think of it this way. So a woman's brain is kind of like like a visual representation, if you will, Um, a surge protector with every single plug with something in it. So imagine a surge protector with eight outlet slots and every single one has something plugged into it and there's even like an extension cord plugged into this surge protector like a fire hazard. So that's how our mind works. We're locked in to everything. And I think in order to be a great caregiver, your mind has to be split and divided to anticipate the future needs and present needs of your loved ones. That, that's not something that just comes out of the air. That, that's something that's that mommy brain. And so conversely, a man's brain is just like your standard outlet with the two plugs. <laughs> and he's just got two plugs in there. And, and oftentimes, you know, men are not good at multitasking. You're not, and that's okay. That's why you have us. And so our minds function very differently. As such, ladies, we require a bit more sleep. Because our mind is pulled in a thousand and one different directions all day long, we need more sleep. So ladies, get your rest, put your phone down, and prioritize going to bed. On an average, we need anywhere between seven to eight hours a night. 
Um, unplugging helps with that, having some sort of bedtime transition, um, utilizing your bedroom for rest and romance only. I say that all the time. My bedroom is for rest and romance. There isn't even a TV in there anymore because I want that to be my sanctuary so that I can get some rest. Um, I also listen to guided meditations before I go to sleep. So if you're looking to improve the quality of your sleep quickly, you can try to listen to a guided meditation or a sleep hypnosis recording. Um, and they have those on Spotify, YouTube, and all of the online platforms. Um, I would recommend, they also have like adult bedtime stories. And believe it or not, having some unrelated random but soothing chatter in the background, it's it's low-key like an adult lullaby. So I would highly recommend those different avenues to improve your sleep because our health is our wealth, friend. So we've got to take care of ourselves and prioritizing your sleep and unplugging will do just that. Let's review some key takeaways for today, guys. Don't believe everything you think or feel for that matter. Sometimes our thoughts absolutely forsake us. Our feelings constantly change because we're influenced by our thoughts and our behaviors. Given this level of influence, it's imperative for us to be mindful about our thinking so that we can identify when we might be off track so that we can put things back in motion but in the right direction. As such, when confronted with an overwhelming thought or feeling, act as a witness instead of a judge. When we judge, we assign meaning and quickly create emotion, a story of some sort. But when we act as a witness to our thoughts, we observe them with detachment. And there's so much power in detachment emotionally when we're upset. It allows us to see things more rationally and objectively and be less inclined to overreact to a situation that's benign. Make sense? I think so too. All right, let's get into this motivational minute. I want to leave you on a high note. Let's get it. All right. When things go wrong, as they sometimes will, when the road you're trudging seems like all uphill, when the funds are low and the debts are high, and you want to smile, but you have to sigh, when care is pressing you down a bit, rest if you must, but friend, don't you quit. Ah, I like that. I like that. So um, our the top dog at the job sends out a motivational um, quote each week, and the boss of bosses sent that out, and it resonated with me so very much, so I wanted to share that with you, friends. So I hope it resonates with you as well. And a quote of the week from one of my sweetest, dearest friends. Shout out to you, friend. Hey! Um, she listens. I love her. She's made my life so much, so much better being down here in Louisiana, and she always reminds me to be the light. So thank you, friend, for being the light 
in my life and always being supportive. And so she told me about this quote, so I had to share it with you guys because it was powerful. It was moving for me. You ready? And you want to write this down. You want to write this down. Shout out to T. Blaze, my good, good girlfriend. All right. When necessary to speak, speak necessarily. Boy, I know I burnt your mouth with that one. When necessary to speak, speak necessarily. And I'm just going to drop the mic and exit right. Because that's all I got. Well, friends, we are out of time for today, but you know I'm never out of solutions. First, I want to remind you to subscribe so that you can stay locked in to the latest and greatest of Paging Dr. Teal. Then I want you to share this episode with at least one person and or on your social media page. Both are much appreciated. And after you've done that, please take just one minute out of your day and leave a review of the podcast. Whether you listen on Apple, Spotify, whatever the case may be, Leave us a review. Reviews are important because they allow us to stand out a bit more and serve as a reference of sorts to new listeners. Sharing is caring and knowledge is power. So please do both. Thank you in advance. Also, follow us on Facebook, Instagram at Paging Dr. Teal. Visit us on the web at www.pagingdrteal.com. Working on the website. It's being revamped. New content coming for you guys. I'm actually about to start offering a life coach and wellness consultation sessions. Definitely might want to check that out. Life changing type stuff. One-on-one with Doc. Get to lay on the couch, the virtual couch yourself with me. Sounds fun, right? (laughs) More information to follow, but you gotta check us out on www.pagingdrteal.com for more information about your wellness consultation sessions with the good doc and so since i'm like your psychologist bestie if you have a question or situation you want to get some guidance on send them to pagingdrteal at gmail.com i'm here for you so i want to hear from you in parting remember friends your health is your wealth so take care of yourself Stay ready so you don't have to get ready and don't lighten up, tighten up. Later.